0: Anyone here ever uh, been in a tough mutter? Anyone here ever done it? Nick, that's something you ought to do. I, that, that, that'd be up your alley. Well, if you don't, neither have I, have I. By the way, but if you've if you've never heard of one, let me just quickly explain what a tough mutter is. It basically is a it's a race. Although it's not really important to, to to get your time down, it's just basically you want to finish. But it's a race. And it can be anywhere from five miles to ten miles or even further. Uh, but in that race, there's a bunch of different obstacles, uh, that, that you have to traverse through. And, and the purpose of it is, is you get a team together or, or what most people do is gather a team and you help yourself through these os- obstacles. For instance, while you, you'll run a while and then you'll have to repel a wall. Like, you know, you see the army guys doing with a rope and repel that. Those other places you have to, to, to wade through water. A couple other places you have to do. You, you crawl under some wire that's uh electrified so if you touch the wire you get zapped it's all all these weird obstacles like like i said i've never uh i I've never run in one of these but a few years ago my three sons and my son-in-law decided that they were going to do one and and they invited me to come along well they invited me to do it and I said no way uh but they invited me to come along and take pictures so so I walked through the course and you could see the obstacles and so I'd take pictures of one obstacle and walk over to another one and and so I videoed them doing several different things and and I got to one of the obstacles it was my personal favorite uh especially since I didn't have to do it but 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 I got there well before my my sons and my son-in-law arrived with their with their team and and what it was was just a big old pi- a big old pit of mud they literally had dug a hole uh and it was out uh on the air force base there in Topeka, they dug a a great big hole and then filled it with water and, and mixed it all up so it was just a big old pit of mud and and what you'd have to do you you literally have to to climb up one side, jump in it, wade your way through it and and it was all messy and and then try to climb out the other side and so So I stood outside that waiting for my my guys to come up that and and it was fun to watch these guys some of them would, would try to swim it. Some of them would try to crawl through it. Some of them would accidentally slip and go head down under the, the murky water. It was hilarious. But the greatest thing, well, shows my, my, what, what I think is funny. The, the funniest thing was there was a, uh, there was a, uh, I'm trying to think of a polite way to say it. Uh, there was a, a, a large man that was doing it. Of course, I'm thinking, seriously? He's, how did he ever run this? But, but he was in this, and he was in the middle of that pit, and, and and he struggled to to get over to the other side to get out, and he started crawling out. And as and soon as he would just get a little bit up, he would slide back into the mud. And then he would go up a little higher, and he would slide back in. And and, and there was actually a group of us that were kind of watching, and we didn't say it, but we, I know we're all thinking the same thing. Like, that's funny. And one time he almost made it out, almost got to the type top, and he slipped again, and, and, and what happened that time is he slid down, he took out about four other people that were behind him, I'm just like a bowling ball through bowling pins, and, and they all wipe, wiped out. Finally, and, and I don't know if it was people that was, were on his team, or if it was just some, some other people that had noticed him, and, uh, uh, and felt sorry for him, but, but finally, when he struggled to get up, one guy got behind him, and seriously, put a shoulder in his backside, and a couple other guys grabbed his arm and they they pulled him out of that pit. Uh, finally, getting out of the pit. Uh, have you ever been there? H- have you ever found yourself? Have you ever found yourself in a pit, wondering to yourself, "Will, will I?" Or thinking to yourself, "How will I ever get out of here?" Well, if you have, then. Uh, then you understand the place where David was. You understand David's heartache. You understand his helplessness. You understand his lack of hope. You understand his cries for a hero, for someone to, to help him out of that pit. Or or, or maybe, maybe the truth is you're there now. And you understand the mud and the mire. You understand the brokenness of feeling trapped in the pit. You understand the isolation. You understand the sense of failure. You understand the, the difficulties as you try to crawl your way and And claw your way out of that 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 pit, only to slide back in muddier and uh, more exhausted than you were before, or maybe you're finding yourself right at the edge of that pit, and you're looking down and and, and your sense is that I'm going to end up in that pit all, all it takes is one more bad decision, and I'm going to be in the pit. all it takes is one more bad piece of luck, and I'm going to end up in that pit all it's going to take is one more broken relationship and I'm going to find myself right in the middle of that pit. Well, if you've been there, if you're there, or if you fear that that's where you're headed, um, I have some good news. Uh, God speaks to that feeling. There's, there's one who will reach down and grab your hand and lift you uh, out of the pit. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm chapter 40. One of my favorite uh, Psalms is the Psalm of David and it helps us Understand where David was. We know what was going on in his heart, but it also gives us an insight and a a look into to who God is in this situation. If you have your Bibles, look with me in Psalm chapter 40. I'm going to read just the first three verses. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn, a praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. We're going to look this morning at really just two simple thoughts. Here's the first one: it's the "I" of this song, just the letter "I." The "I" of some you see that. We're going to look at three of them. There's only one really listed in the text where it says "I waited patiently," but there's two other there's two other "I" situations there that that are understood that that had to happen before you could get to where David starts out the psalm, I was waiting patiently for the, the Lord. Here is the first one. Now, my wife used to get mad at me when uh, we attended church at Central, because uh, they would have a, a bulletin insert like we have in our bulletin. And I would always look at that and try to figure out the answers, oftentimes before the sermon ever started. But definitely as the sermon was going on, I would be, okay, I know what that one, I'd write it down. Of course, luckily it was pencil, so I could erase it and put another one, but but I'd write it down, and when I got it right, I'd, I'd, yeah, I got that one right. Um, so I'm going to give you a chance to impress me. Do, do any of you think you know what that first one is? I was. Or did I give you the answer with was? Was that a, well, a blank? I did. So, okay, I gave you part of it. I, I was. Anyone, it's, it's understood here. Come on, impress me. I still didn't hear it. In, in the pit? Say it out loud because that's right. What's the price? Uh, deacons, do we have... Oh, we don't have a price for you today. But you're right. I, It's understood. It, if David was waiting patiently in the pit, then it starts out with him. He doesn't say it here. He doesn't tell us how he ended up there. But it starts out with, with that understanding that he was in the pit. Uh So as he starts this this psalm and so everything that we learn from this we have to realize somehow david ended up where where he described his situation as a pit it was muddy it was slimy he was in the mire it was sticky it was cold it was damp it was miserable everything about that describes the pit uh, and, and he felt like he had no way out see when you're in the pit you're robbed of joy you're robbed of hope you're robbed of happiness you're robbed of energy you're robbed of purpose you're robbed of a passion it, it doesn't make a difference how you ended up in there. It doesn't make a difference what the pit looks like when you are there. It feels like you're never going to get out. Now, now the reality is, there's a couple ways we end up in the pit, uh, and and sometimes we end up there both ways. One of the ways that we end up in in the pit is of our own making. We sometimes end up in the pit because we stood too close. We, we stood close to that slippery. That that slippery slope, and you, you you know what I'm talking about. Some of you could could tell me your stories and say, "Yep, I know exactly what you're you're, you're mentioning there." We stood too close, and we got close, and we ended up in the pit. Sometimes it's because we made decisions. Now I don't know what David was thinking here. It it, it could have been it, it could have been talking from his own experience when he got too close. Now you know the story over in in. Uh, uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, if you want to, I'm not going to read from there, but if you want to go there and re that story, it's the story of David and Bathsheba. And you know how that story, David got, David got too close to the, the pit. He's, he got right up there and sin was lurching at his door and, 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 we know he ended up sinning with Bathsheba and then he compounded it by literally committing murder. I mean, David was a, David was a man after God's own heart. That's how he was described. But David also had a sinner's heart. Uh, some of you are people after God's heart, but you know what? We're all sinners, and we all have sinners' hearts as well, and that was, that was David. So maybe when he's talking here and he said, "said I waited patiently in the pit. I, I found myself in that pit. Maybe maybe it was because of that sin with Bathsheba. Uh, I would encourage you to, 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 to turn to Psalm 51, and, and maybe some verses there you might want to look at, but Psalm 51 is a chapter where David talks about that sin. And it's a it's a chapter of confession. It's a chapter of trying to find hope again. In Psalm chapter 51, verses 1 and 2, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. If you read that chapter, you see David crying out. It's like he's in the pit waiting pace and he's crying out to the Lord, Lord, forgive me. And then over in chapter 51, verses 7 to 12, Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. That, that's a reference back to actually a, a shepherd taking a, a lamb that kept wandering off and breaking its legs and then carrying that till the legs healed. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me and restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So maybe David was maybe David was recalling his sin. Maybe in chapter 40 David remembered the time he was emotionally in that pit. Now I know what it's like to be in that pit. I, I, I know what it's like to get too close to the edge and and make bad decisions, and end up end up in a place that is mud and mire and filth, and feel like there's no way out. Some of you could share your testimonies this morning, and say the same. You know what it's like in the pit. In in Luke chapter 15, Jesus gives us an insight, though Jesus, and and, and we'll look at, at this a couple times during the sermon today. In Luke chapter 15. Jesus gives us an insight um, in, into how how God sees us and and how God wants to help us out of that that pit and 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 it shows us how He understands us. Luke chapter fifteen. You're going to know the the, the chapter. You're going to know the stories there. It's the the stories of the uh, of the lost coin the uh, the and the uh, the lost uh, lost sheep, uh, the lost son. Uh, we, we also hear it as the, the story of the prodigal son. In verses 15 and 16, it says of that prodigal son, it said, So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him out to feed to the fields to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. You know, you know where the prodigal found himself? He found himself in the pit. He found himself in the pit. Sometimes, Sometimes we end up in the pit and it's, it's, we're there because of our own doing. It's stuff we've done that have put us there. But sometimes we find ourselves in the pit and, and it's simply because of life's madness. Sometimes, sometimes life is just tough. S- sometimes life is difficult and it's nothing we've done. It's nothing we've done wrong. But sometimes we just find ourselves by situation. Psalm chapter three. This is a, the Psalm that AO read for us last uh, Sunday. Psalm chapter three. One, 2 says, "O oh Lord, how many are my foes? David's describing what's happening to him. And this isn't his sin. How many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saving me. God will not deliver him. And over in Psalm 18 verses 4 and 5, David again describes the situation. He said, The cords of death intake me. The torrents of destruction overwhelm me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. And the snares of death confronted me. We, we sometimes find ourselves in the pit because life happens. Some of you have been there. The Davies family is there today because life happens and that also means death happens. Brother Neal was there a few years ago and I'm sure when he was diagnosed with cancer, diagnosed with a tumor, I, I'm sure there there were days where his family, he and his family felt like they were in a pit. Sandy's been there before and had had brain surgery and, and, I'm sure there were times where they felt like they were in a pit. See, sometimes we, we get a diagnosis and, and it's nothing we've done, but life just throws us a curve and we find ourselves, it, it's like we're in a pit. Or, or maybe it's depression and discouragement. Maybe, maybe things just kind of start piling up and, and suddenly we, 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 we can't even get out of bed in the morning. We're so discouraged and depression just comes over us like a blanket and, and you feel like you're in a pit. I've got to believe there's some farmers here that could tell stories of, of maybe a few years back when when the, the farming economy was tough and entrance rates were high and, and the corn prices were low and you sat there at your kitchen tables with a stack of bills and you looked at the receipts of that year's harvest and you, you thought, how am I going to pay the bank? How, how are we going to eat? How are we going to survive another season? Or, or maybe you've just been there other people would find, and, and you felt like you're in a pit, or, or, or maybe you're in financial, or a family relationships, broken marriages, broken child, a broken friendship, and, and, uh, and the way you describe your life is, man, I am in a pit. I, I wish I could tell you that, that if you would just love Jesus a little bit more, that would never happen. I, I wish I could, I wish I could tell you that if you just came to church a little bit more, You'd never have to face those moments. If, if, if only you'd read your Bible just a few more minutes a day, that would never happen. If only you'd give a little bit more money to the church, you would never face problems. But Jesus himself said in this world, you're gonna have trouble. Uh, in Acts chapter 1, he commissioned his apostles, and he told them, that "You're going to be my witnesses in in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the other, uh, all the the world. You're going to go all over the world to be my witnesses." And what happened to them? They they were witnesses, but every one of the apostles, except for one, the, the, the apostle John, ended up murdered, ended up martyred for the sake of Christ. They they faced trials and struggles and hardship. God has never promised us that life would be easy. He's never promised us that we wouldn't find ourselves pushed into a pit by life's difficult times, but he has promised that he would be there with us. And that leads us to the second, uh, the, the second I in, in this story. Uh, and, and again, this one's not talked about. It's kind of, kind of a silent one there. I'm not gonna, uh, you, you can guess. Maybe if you're like me, maybe you've written something in there, but, but it was, I wanted a purpose. The, the thing that happened today, I don't know why he ended up in the pit. But, but in the pit, there, there came a moment when there was an awakening, when he realized that he didn't want to be in the pit, when he realized that he didn't have to stay in the pit. In, in Psalm chapter 3, uh, the Psalm I'd read a little bit earlier, it says this, to the Lord I cried aloud. He cried out to the Lord. Psalm 18, it says, in my distress I called to the Lord and I cried to my God for help. In, in Luke chapter 15, Verse 17 in that story of the prodigal, it says, When he came to his senses. See, for every one of us, when we find ourselves in the pit, there's an awakening when we when we we come to that point where we want a purpose. We 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 understand that God has something for us. The, the understood I there is that we cry out uh in our sorrow sometimes, in our humiliation, uh uh in, in our humbleness, we cry out. Uh, to the one who can forgive us, that understood, I is that sometimes we cry out in our heartache, in our hardship, to the one that we know that can deliver us. And then he does say, and this one is obviously listed there in verse one. He says, "I waited patiently, I waited patiently for the Lord." Uh, there's a sense of surrender there. S- see the, the the reality when when we find ourselves in the pit. We have to surrender. I, uh, and not only anyone that likes this, but I really hate having car trouble. Well, one of the reasons I do is because I know nothing about cars. So, so, so if, if my car breaks down, I remember a time a, a while back, my car broke down, I'm driving down the road and it just stops running. This is what I do. Join me because some of you probably do the same thing. I got out of the car, I popped the hood, I walked around, I lifted up the hood, and, and, and then I looked in the engine. You guys do that? Ladies? We have no idea what we're doing. Except for some of you that know what you're doing. But most of us, I sit and I looked at there, and I don't know if I was waiting, hoping that there was like a reset button in the engine, you know, that had popped, and I just pushed that and it works, or or to come unplugged. Oh, there it is. Just plug it back. But I do I sit and look at it. Then what's the next thing you do? Anyone want to guess? What's the next thing we do? No, that's down the road. We, 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 we. Okay, next thing I do. Okay, maybe you guys, I, I go back to my car and get in and try to start it. Like amazingly, opening the hood and staring at it will somehow heal that car. We'll, we'll fix what was broken. And I'll crank it and I'll crank it and like, and, and, and then after a period of, uh, obviously it's not gonna start, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll begin to fret a little bit. And I know from last week's sermon we're not supposed to fret. Psalm so 37. Uh, and then, I come to realization. I'll take out my wallet. You know, take out this little baby. Somebody might take out an insurance card that's got a number on it, but I'll take out my triple A like oh, All I have to do is call, that. that's what they told me. Just call this number. Just call this number. And we'll be there for you. Now, now, it can be because I'm an, uh, an idiot and I ran out of gas, uh, because I w- was wasn't thinking and I locked my keys in the car. Anyone here do any of those? Or or, or, or my or 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 because my car broke down. Does not make a difference? They I've I joined a club. I've joined a group that says, you know what? We don't care what you did. We don't care how stupid you are. Just call us, and we're going to take care of it. In, in the case of road that car, we're gonna we're gonna tow you. And in my case, they towed to my friend Rick Bruce, who lives a couple of houses down. We're gonna tow you to Rick's garage, and when he pops the hood and looks in, he knows what he's looking at, and he can plug some things in that will tell you, "Oh, that's what it is. It's no big deal. It's just a this or that." Well, it's usually a big deal, but <laughs> you always hope it's not going to be, "Oh, just reset button, Tim." Isn't that you, you could have done that yourself. Uh, but the reality is. He's there for us. Davis. Davis gives us a sense that, that he felt God in that pit uh, as well. Uh, in Psalm chapter three, as we wait patiently on it, Psalm chapter three, verse three says, "You are shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head." Psalm eighteen two says, "The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge." is my shield and the horn of my salvation my stronghold david said god wait waited or i waited patiently on him i waited patiently on him it's that realization that god is there and he's going to make a difference in our life randy alcorn tells a story about his friend leona bryant leona bryant was diagnosed with a terminal cancer and what wasn't given very long to live and and she made this comment she said said the most striking thing is the, the, the that it happened to me is is that it changes my my whole attitude she says i find myself totally uninterested in all the conversations about material things she said things used to matter to me but now i find myself with my thoughts are they're never on possessions they're always on christ and people i consider it a privilege that i can live each day knowing i will die soon what a difference it makes Alcorn says another friend that he talked to said, said yeah, when I found out that I was going to die, he said, I don't buy jumbo bottles of shampoo like I used to. In fact, he went on to say, you know what, I don't even buy green bananas anymore. Uh, Tony Snow, some of you might remember him, was a radio journalist and was a speech writer for uh, George H.W. Smith and then was chief of staff or, or uh, uh, communications director, I believe, for George W. Smith. Uh, he was a devoted and devout Christian. And came down with cancer, colon cancer, that eventually took his life. But in an article in Christianity Day he said this Through such trials God bids us to choose do we believe or do we not? Will we be bold enough to love, daring enough to serve, humble enough to submit, strong enough to acknowledge our limitations our limitations? Can we surround our concerned in things that don't matter or or so that we might devote our remaining days to the things that do what gives us the ability to have that attitude? It's when in the pit we come to the realization that God is still there and that he's coming. Now David changes, changes the speed here in the, in, in this Psalm from, uh, from talking about the I to the he in the Psalm. He, he changes from his condition to God's the, the he in the psalm is hope, it's healing, and, and it's a help out. Here's the first thing that we see there uh, is is that he saw me. Verse one: I waited patiently for the Lord. And notice what it says there: He turned to me and he heard my cry. Psalm chapter three, verse four says, "To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill." Psalm eighteen six says, "In my distress I call the Lord; I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice, my cry came before him." into his ears. And in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the prodigal son, probably my favorite verse in all of that parable is this. It defines for us who God is and why Jesus came. Verse 20 of chapter 15 says this, but while he was a long way off. Do you remember that? It says the father, while he was a long way off, he saw in the distance his son. When it was just a speck on the road, the father saw his son. He couldn't make out a face, but he could tell by the way he walked. He could tell by his gait, by the way he carried himself. He could see that that was his son. And what that tells us about God is that God was looking for and longing for that son. It's the vision of a father standing out waiting for his son to come home. And then it says, while he was a long way off, he saw him and had compassion on him and he ran to him and smothered him in hugs and kisses. For 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 a patriarch in that culture to run meant something, because you would never undignify your, uh, dignify yourself to, to run. You never would do that. But the father ran because he wanted to go to his, his son. This passage, this, this psalm of God waiting patiently, or, or, or us waiting patiently and God showing up and lifting us out uh, of the pit, is an example of God seeing us, and it's illustrated almost prophetically uh, for us in in Luke chapter fifteen. The work of Jesus on the cross was God running to us. Uh, he He saw me, and then He saved me. Verse two says He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. Uh, my my friend Brian Brubaker, uh, he was a college college friend of mine uh tells this story he came home from work one day and his work was uh as a professor of of new testament at ozark christian college and and he came home one day and his six-year-old daughter april was out in the front yard as he pulled his his car into the driveway and 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 as he pulled in he saw her running towards him but he didn't see his three-year-old son uh lenny yet and and as he got out of the car and started around april was already yelling dad dad and and about that time, he saw Lenny come around the corner and, and as Lenny did, he saw why she was yelling. He was covered in mud. From head to toe, his his shirt was muddy, there was mud on his face and he was crying and the tears were running down his face so muddy teardrops were falling off of his face and, and he said Lenny ran up to him and, and he did what, what, what any three-year-old would do. He ran up to his dad and he put his hands up like, Dad, pick me up. Bruce said that for an instant, for an instant, he hesitated. He had on his favorite University of Purdue tie. Uh, those that might know the connection, his son Lenny was named after Lynn Dawson, uh, who his dad knew when they were both students at the University of Purdue. And he had his favorite Purdue tie on. And he had a, a, a shirt that he had just picked up the cleaners the day before and wore that day. And He had on some nice slacks. And, and he looked down at this muddy child, and for just an instant, he hesitated, but then he did what a father does. He reached down and picked up the muddy child and embraced him and hugged him and wiped the tears in the mud from his face, not caring about what happened to, to what he had. Do, do you catch that? He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Do you realize what God did? He reached into the pit. There's no way you reach into a pit without getting dirty. Now really what, what that is a description and what that's telling us is what he did through the work of Jesus. When, when God sent his son to earth, John 3.16, he, he loved us so much he sent his only son. That was, that was God coming to the pit, literally. Reaching into the pit for us. See, God reaches into the pit Psalm 34:18 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He reaches out to those who are crushed. Mark Rawls is a minister in North Carolina. He said one night they were finishing up with a Wednesday night Bible study and as he walked out of the the church they also had an AA meeting that met in the in in their church basement and and those guys had been dismissed about the same time as he walked out. He saw uh, uh, one of the guys that had had just walked out of the AA meeting and he stopped and introduced himself to the guy and said, you know, you know, told him who he was. He was one of the pastors. And the and the guy just made this comment and said, Man, I wish I, I wish I could go to a church like this. I long to kind of just get back in a church. And and and, and so so Mark and said, well we'd love to have you come. And, and and as soon as he did, the guy began to rail about all the bad mistakes he had made in his life, all the decisions, all the, the the heartache that his drinking had caused him, all the difficult times. And and really what he was doing was trying to make excuses why he wouldn't be welcome there? Why why he was too dirty to be in the church? And Rawls ended up telling him, "Anyone and all of us are welcome." He he he's saved. We we see that then that he secures us. I'll I'll go quickly here as I finish up. He says he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He reaches into the pit. Whether we're there because of our sin, whether we're there because life has caused difficulty, He puts in and He gives us a firm place to stand. He sets us on the rock and He makes our feet firm. And finally, He sanctifies us. Notice what He says in verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to my God. Many will see and fear and put their trust uh, in Him. If we serve Him through the crisis, people will see. Kyle Eidemann tells the story of a man in his church. He said the father had prayed for his daughter for seven years and, and the, the prayer he prayed was the same every day. Lord, use her in big ways. Uh, he, he prayed it every day of her life. She was only seven years old, but for seven years he had prayed, prayed that same prayer. But the last three years he had a companion prayer to that prayer. And that prayer was, was a little more one that, that, that was him crying out to God. That prayer was Lord, Save my, my child. Save her from the cancer that is ripping through her body. So he prayed the two prayers simultaneously. And he said, said one day, uh, he, he was just thinking about all that God had done. And the reality was this little girl's faith had, had already impacted so many people. She, she told every doctor and every nurse uh, about who Jesus was. And, and family members had come to know Christ and we're coming to church because of her testimony in, in the trial of her cancer. And he said, One one morning he was praying, and he was praying those same two prayers, Lord, use my daughter in a mighty way, and then he prayed, Lord, bring her health, save her from this this physical giant in her life. And he said, he he was overcome. He was overcome with emotion for a second, and it was almost as, as if God was saying, which prayer do you want me to answer? Which prayer do you want me to answer? Because I'm using her. In mighty ways, in eighteen ninety nine, a guy named Tom Dorsey was born. Uh, he, he was known as Georgia Tom. He was an entertainer and a blues singer, but but he came became a Christian and and took his music uh, uh, to a new level and became a uh, a, a gospel singer. In nineteen thirty eight, Dorsey was scheduled to be the the lead singer at a series of revivals that were meeting in St. Louis. Uh, just before he had to leave his his wife, who was pregnant, began to have a couple issues, but but she said, no, you go on to St. Louis, I'll be fine. You need to be there so you can tell your story, so you can touch people for the Lord. He, he got to St. Louis and was just getting ready to go on stage when he got a telegram that his wife had fallen ill. He rushed home only to find out that with complications from the pregnancy, she had died. The, the child was born, but a few days later that child died as well. For, for the next several months, Dorsey just was lost. Said so he wandered and, and literally had a couple friends take him in just so they could meet his physical needs. They could make sure he had, had, had a, a roof over his head and had some food to eat as he went, spiraled deeper and deeper into depression. But one day, while sitting in a friend's house, he found himself sitting at a piano and he began, began to play a medley. And shortly thereafter, he penned words to go to that medley. You, You might recognize the song. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, help me stand. I'm tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me home. When my life Is almost gone. Hear my cry. Hear my call. Hold my hand. I fall. Take my hand. Precious Lord. Lead me home. The day is past and gone. At the river I stand. Guide my feet. Hold my hand. Take my hand. Precious Lord. Lead me home. I don't know if, if you're in the pit. I don't know if maybe you're recently removed from or maybe you find yourself and as you look at life, you're staring at the mud and the mire and the slime and the filth. I don't know where you find yourself. The reality is we're all going to end up in the pit sometime or another. Life's always going to throw us something. We're going to make mistakes and end up there. But if you're in the pit, the Lord is there. The Lord is there. If You find yourself, find a purpose wait patiently and he'll reach down and secure you and set you on solid ground and give you salvation father we thank you that no matter what we do we're never so far away that you can't reach us it's as simple as us waiting patiently on you calling out your name crying out to you father we we can find that hope and that help if we simply wait patiently for you lord there are some here this morning that have testimonies, great testimonies of going through the pit. Father, there's some here this morning that walked in today and and they're they're surrounded by mud, and they're saying to themselves, "How am I ever going to get out of this mess?" Father, there's others that maybe life has just got them right to the brink, and they're just not sure how they're ever gonna how they're ever gonna react, and they fear that that's where they're going to end up, Lord. You answer them when when they cry out. Father, help us have the faith, the trust, the hope in you uh, to relieve ourselves of trying to do it ourselves and to trust you. Father, you you sent Jesus literally to come down to our world, to come down to our mud and our mire, to come down to our filth, to come down and live like us. To, to, to conquer that, to know what it's like, so he could understand us. You, you, you sent him down so that you could, could be waiting for us to respond to you. Father, give us hope, give us help, give us your strength as we wait on you. In Jesus' name.